0: And welcome in, everybody, to this week's edition of the Landry Football Podcast. I am Chris Landry. Great to be with you as part of the Radio Influence family. Also great to be with you as we tape this show live on Twitch TV. We do it every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time. Good to be with you. Been a uh, been a hectic week dealing with a lot of draft preparation. So got a lot to cap- uh, get the... Uh, get caught up on, um, been out with a couple of the other shows, but certainly here every week for the Landry football podcast, we're going to get up to speed. a lot of good news about what we've got going on leading up to the draft. So we are deep enough into free agency. You are uh, undoubtedly keeping up with everything that's going on in the free agent world. Uh, the signings, um, the latest moves, We've seen it slow down. We explained this to you right going forward, um, that the early stages, you get a lot of the big deals, and then it slows down. Uh, and there's some guys whose uh, negotiations uh, take a little longer because the price tag relative to what teams are willing to spend are at different levels. So we're starting to see that, diff- that next wave of people – that are going to sign and maybe sign for um, you know a little bit less than they had hoped for. We certainly have been focusing behind the scenes uh, on the draft. We're going to be um, doling out the boards, working on the horizontal board. In fact, I'm going to discuss a lot today about horizontal draft boards, vertical draft boards, what they mean, um, why we do it this way, um, and certainly. What we're we're going to have that for you at LandryFootball.com, and um, we're going to get to that reminder that you can get all the latest at LandryFootball.com, be it the latest on pro day workouts all in the uh, notebooks every day, um, all the free agent information, in college, all the recruiting information, any news on spring practice. We've got it all for you there. Um, We certainly have – you can go back and look at our free agent rankings and scouting reports on those players so you know exactly what you're getting with players that you're signing and the value with relative to the money that they're getting. Um, As we move forward, you're going to want to make sure that you're a part of the NFL draft boards. And what that all means, well, where the value of the players are, Uh, I caution you, and I tell you all the time, you're going to get this top 50, top 100 list from people. Doesn't tell you anything. It's a useless list because it doesn't tell you who the best players are. Where's the cutoff? You can't tell me that the number fifth player is just a little bit better than six, a little bit better than six, a little bit better than seven. It doesn't work that way. So they fool you and they fool you because in many cases you can, but not, not anymore. You're going to learn more about how the draft grades work and how the process of grading leads you to the ranking. And if you don't grade them correctly, they won't be ranked in the right order. And the importance of understanding that the importance of, put, importance of putting together a proper grade. I'm going to have all of that for you at LandryFootball.com. We're going to talk about it here, but make sure that you join us over there. Get your scouting season membership there. Very, very economical. Less than $10 a month. Even less than that if you take advantage of the year membership. So, check that out. Um, I want to get into a couple of things as well. uh, Time permitting, but certainly as always, we want to take your questions um, here in the thread. So, go ahead and you can join us in Uh, We will. I'll certainly get to it. So um, draft meetings, um, and one of the reasons why I'm a little bit later in getting the boards like I want is there's there's this misnomer, and I get this. You know, let's put a draft board up in January, and and let's tell you who the best players are, and then you know we'll tell you who's moving up and down the board. There's no such thing. We we pride ourselves on because of our experience being like a, an NFL draft, uh, an NFL team, 33rd NFL team um, to where we do it the way we do it for NFL teams um, you know the 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 hype and I get it, I have a website as well as I just talked about and certainly just telling everybody in January, hey click 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 that we will tell you who's going to be the top 10. It's not relevant, and I'm not going to disrespect people and try to fool people um, on doing what everybody else does. Everybody else does it that way because they don't have a background in coaching or scouting. They've never been in the draft room. They've never done this, never run drafts. The, The process during the season culminates into more film work of the play during the season through January, through February, into March, and we combine that with the All-Star Games. We combine that with the version this year of the Combine. What's taking a little bit longer in trying to get all of that, it's like putting a puzzle together. You can't sit there, and you've got to be careful when you put a grade on a player. If you sit there and say, I think this guy is the best this or best that or whatever, which that's all right. Well, who cares who you think is the best? How'd you grade him? And why, how did you come to that grade? That's what's important. If you put a grade too quickly without all the information, you tend to want to justify your initial reaction because if not, you got to admit you're wrong, right? It's tough for us to do that be slow, you know, I, I may measure nine times before I cut type of guy. So one of the things that you have to do is properly get all the information, properly evaluate all the information. A workout is not going to change a player one way or the other, but it will have an effect on how a guy translates to the next level, and it has an overall effect on how you grade them. Um, and, and again, it's not about, well, we're going to raise them here or there. Uh, the, the more you throw stuff against the wall, the more you got to retract and cover up your BS. So it's taken a little bit longer than most years because of the lack of the combine, which we would have put together, put to bed. Now it's a little bit more in stages, but I'm, I'm getting there as, as, good as we're gonna get into this offseason of putting together the top players in the draft. And what I'm gonna provide for you there on on LandryFootball.com is okay, how many how many 7 0 grades, how many 6 9 grades, what do those mean? And how does that translate? And obviously you're gonna see they're not gonna be 32 first round grades. There never are and and um I'll save how many Uh, it's going to be about the range of what they normally are. Um, but they're going to be less first round grades than they are 32, less than 32 first round grades as they always are. So trying to figure out, okay, which one of the six, fours, six, four grades get into the first round because there'll be quite a few of them. There'll be six, four grades that go in the first round. There'll be six, four grades that go in the third round. Well, they, they dropped. What happened? What did they do Nothing did wrong. It's numbers. Common sense. If you have 50 players, let's say, with 6-4 grades, I'm just throwing that number out. Well, comments, and you got only, say, 19-20 first-round grades, 6-5 and above, well, then common sense, some of them have to go in the first round, and if you got more than, you know, if you got 50, they can't all go in the second round. So it's important to understand that. And when you understand where the grades are and not just, well, this guy's ranked this and this guy's ranked the 28th and this guy's ranked the, 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 you know, um, 49th, the 28th and the 49th player may have the same grade. Understand that. So you can stack them, but understand how to stack them after you grade them correctly. So the theory that I can't believe my team just took the 49th player on the board. And I saw some guy on TV say that he was the 15th best player. That guy is is not an evaluator. He's a guy that's acquiring information for content and knows doesn't have the information, doesn't have the aptitude to evaluate. So don't focus on that. If you understand how to grade, if you understand the importance of it, then you get to the. The, how they're going to be stacked. Now, here's the other thing that's really tough for folks to understand. It is impossible to do 32 different draft boards. I, one year, did this and, uh, you know, and I'm looking into it. I don't know that I'm going to do it this year, but going forward, I'm looking into at least of how guys would fit and maybe take a a, a simulated draft board of each team. If you put 32 draft boards, it confuses the hell out of you, the fan, the public. But the reality is there are 32 different draft boards. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is going to be ranked number one in most of them. Okay. Um, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Panacea will be ranked high, um, couple more receivers, you know, but if you take, you know, um, certain players, you know, Michael Parkins, Parsons um, might be a, um, a top five player on some people's boards. He might be 25 on another team's board. Why? Um, nothing to do. We're not even talking need. You don't grade a player based on your need. You grade the player regardless of need, regardless of position. That's the only way you know how good that player is. Forget need in the evaluation process. If you want to take need over value, do it. I don't I don't, I don't like doing that. I don't do that. I never did it. But if that's what you're going to do, do it. But where teams make a mistake is they elevate a player based upon need or they downgrade a player lack of need. If, the, if there is a player who is an offensive guard that's one of the top five players in this draft, so be it. Doesn't mean you need to take them in the top five. The value is not that great. If a running back is, you know, a great player, warrant of a first-round grade, he might still be there top of the second round. That's okay. Okay because people are maybe taking players at that are fit more of a need. But if you don't first grade them properly, regardless of need, you're not going to get the right grade on the player. If you don't get the right grade on the player, you falsely have a problem with your board, the integrity of your board's bad. And this is where you get a lot of bad drafts folks. Um, been doing this now getting close to 40 years. And, you know, now in doing the consulting stuff, I, as more and more non-football people become involved in running organizations, it's actually worked well for me to be able to explain and teach and do seminars on how do you evaluate players one, but how do you set up your recruiting board and your draft board? And what happens is the inability to understand that and the inability to strategize and go through draft management before you properly evaluate is the cart before the horse, and this is where people make mistakes. All of a sudden, you hear us teams moving up and the board. No, you're not moving up a player up the board. The bottom line is people, as you get closer to the draft, Start to say, got to have this quarterback, got to have this guy. And therefore, you you get a lot of that. You also have a lot of false information that's floated out for purposes to benefit you. So as we're getting into the time where I'm getting into the final draft meetings with my teams coming up, not yet, but coming up. And we'll get into that a little bit more as we turn in the calendar into April. But we're almost there. I mean, we are almost there. It's Palm Sunday this Sunday. We're going to turn April next week. And when you get into these meetings, what goes on in these meetings, and uh, Tony, I see you there. We're going to get to your question here in a little bit. When you get into these meetings, you are you've gone through your preliminary list. You take a position a day, and sometimes it takes a day and a half, two days to get through a position. You allow for enough time to go through every, um, position in every player. So you go through alphabetically. This guy has been rated a reject, you know, you know, John Adams, you know, <clears throat> we're going through the quarterbacks. Reject, state of reject, boom, you move on. You don't you don't go and dwell on it. If a guy is someone that you would sign or draft, you will evaluate him. Every player that's evaluated him will read their report, will discuss it. There should be a tape made where you look as a staff, about 40, 50 plays that are cut-ups of a player that gives a true indication of what the player is, his strengths, his weaknesses. Um, those things are really useful to go through each player. Then when you're done, then you, you, you've got all the grades, you put the final grade. The work at that point is organically done. What you would then have to do you got to take all the players at that position with the same grades. If you got three receivers with six, five grades, what order do you have them in? How do you stack them? Who's A, B, who's B, who's C? You know, you got to have that. Uh, if you got one that's six, nine, and one that's six, five, and uh, two that's six, five, well, then the six, nine guy is going to be at the top end of that group and the bottom end of that grade plateau, You're going to have the two six fives. What order do you have them in? The grades take you to the ranking. Okay. That's prevent you should prevent you from, Hey, I like this guy. If you like them, why in the hell did you grade them here? You know, what's the grade? What do you, you know, I like this guy better than that guy. Well, th- how much did you see of this guy? Well, I didn't see as much of that guy. Well, then you can't compare the two. If you didn't see, if you didn't do the same work for both players, you can't compare. Not relevant. That's why we go through it. and I go through a process where you can get a worksheet on each of the players to where you grade the critical factors and you take, we do a worksheet, a separation worksheet between players. Here's the most important critical factors. This is how we graded this one and this one. Put a comparative measure. That takes you to your answer. If it doesn't add up, then you got to figure it out. What the hell have we done wrong here? It's no different than putting together a game plan. We thought this would work a little bit. Why didn't you got to hold people accountable? Well, What's the deal? Well, you're going to have different views and different opinions. The position coach thinks this. The coordinator thinks a little bit more of this. The area scout thinks this. The college scout director thinks, okay, got to get to it. You've got to get as much good opinions that are separate from one another. You don't want to have, you know, somebody going down the hall. What do you think? And you move this guy, I, you know, politic and. You, you've got to be careful, and if you have a lot of that, you need to know, scout the people in your building. You know the people who are actually doing the work, and you know the people that maybe are not as good evaluators and are more try to figure out where a guy's going to get drafted, and it makes them look good. Remember, despite the fact that people do it, you can't grade a, a draft after the draft. You have to grade it after they play two or three years. And projecting where a player goes is not scouting. Evaluating player correctly and getting them to help make your team is different. Not everybody does it equally as well, and that's the issue. So getting into these draft meetings is the last step of a year-to-year-long process. When you do that and you have position by position meeting go through every player that's what we call a vertical board why because quarterbacks running back receivers and then these are the top how they grade all the way down to the bottom or to the guys that you would sign as free agents then you've got on the separate board we call it the reject board uh guys that don't make it and there'll be guys on that board that some people will like and maybe even draft. You got to you gotta make sure you get them right. And when you do that, that's your vertical board. The horizontal board is when you grade players across the draft. So now you've got to evaluate the quarterbacks to the receivers, to the running backs, to the corners. And now, again, we're not saying this is how we're not projecting where they're going to go is what players are better. If the best player in the draft is the guard, so be it. Doesn't mean he's going to go one. In fact, I can tell you he won't. But grade them their position. You're not grading the value of the position in the league. You're grading the player. Grade them that way. And you understand who the best players are. Then you get, and that's the horizontal board. That's where you're grading every player in the draft. Now, that's where if you do it correctly, this is what I call you set your draft board up and you let your draft board speak to you. So if the best player in the draft, you know, you want to know, for example, Trevor Lawrence is the best player in the draft. That's great but he better be the best player in the draft because he's the best player in the draft, not because he plays quarterback and that makes him better. It's not going to make him play any better because he plays quarterback. That is a determining factor. Why you might take him number one. Let's say he wasn't quite as good, but he was still good. He still might go number one because of the importance of the position, but grading him regardless of need, is integral to setting up the integrity of your board. Um, so it's really important to understand that. It's also important to understand how do you, how you plan to utilize a player. Um, you can't look at a Kyle Pitts and say he's a tight end and don't take a tight He's not a tight end. He's a big receiver. He can play in multiple positions. He's a mismatch guy. So you have to grade him on what he is and not just pigeonhole him. If you're a team that doesn't really utilize tight ends as well, he's not going to be as valuable. But grade him on what his value is in terms of his ability to perform that. If you do that correctly, it is fine to pass over the player. If you say, look, I don't we don't really, you know, I'm not a big believer in this, but let's just say don't really believe tight ends, I, I'm not a big tight end offense, well, then, you know uh, where I want a big receiver, I want the smaller guys that are quicker, then you're fine if that's what you want to do. Then don't take him. But don't falsely put him down on the board and grade him less because he doesn't fit what you want to do. Grade him correctly and then just pass him over if there's a problem. Just like you pass over him if he has a character flaw or a substance abuse issue. Or he's not real smart. Whatever the case may be, grade him where they're supposed to be as a football player, and then attach the other parts of the grade to him. It's important to set the integrity of your draft board. Um, these position meetings will take place all the way to where you get to the horizontal board, and that's what we're going to be putting up on the website here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, next uh, couple of weeks here. Um, you know, um, you know, so we'll see how, how things go. Um, and we'll, we'll look at a lot of these players and a little bit uh, more about how we'd want to go. A couple of questions you want to ask. Tony Finn? asks, morning, Chris, what are your thoughts on the Browns offseason so far? Pretty good. Um, I think they've helped themselves in some area. They've got a good team. They're keeping it together. Uh, you probably know they're bringing in Clowney, uh, for a visit. We'll see. I don't know if that's going to pan out. Um, But that's, you know, um, I I think that's a team that's really good. The division is really good. I don't, I think the Steelers are a little bit concerned about that team going forward, but I like the future of the Browns. Uh, The Bengals still have our ways to go. And um, like Baltimore, I just don't like them as much as the future of Cleveland with the potential of the passing game. But I think they've done some good things. Hey, Kev Largo, appreciate you cheering us on, 100 bits over on Twitch. Aaron Chank uh, asks, uh, let's see here. Uh, Chris was wondering, what is your opinion? Uh, PFF, I guess that's the Pro Football Focus group. Their grades are increasingly talked about, but I'm curious how good their work is considered by personnel professionals. Um, well, they are like most businesses are marketed very well. Um, they give a lot of their information out to the media. So the media pumps them up because the media doesn't look at film. And so they'll say, this guy's ranked this or that, um, by PFF. The, the problem would be is the credentials of the people doing the evaluation for PFF. Um, when they started that, uh, one of their executives had called me to ask some advice on how to do it. And their, their philosophy is, they will hire people who are not football. I mean, you know, they're fans They they may hire some ex players or, you know, people like that, but it's like part-time and the the problem with it is, well, okay. So they're great at this or that again, it's another opinion, but it's not a credential opinion. The people there have not been trained, have not scouted, have not run drafts. So, you know, having people that they pay minimum wage to do part-time work. That's not really what I would trust. Now in a media sense, you know, they know more than most media folks because most media folks don't even, you know, take the step of, of looking at the film. But, um, I, I don't, is it something that, um, I think a lot of PR people look at in organizations, but no, no organization worth their salt is going to put any stock in what amateur opinions from people who are not qualified to evaluate players say about a player in the NFL or college. Um, and I just, how to compare it to some other media folks. I can't, cause I don't pay any attention to it, but you know, I always say this and if I want a legal opinion, I'm going to go to an attorney. If I want tax advice, I'm going to go to a CPA. If I don't feel well; I want to go to a doctor. Um, my neighbor across the street may have the answer to everything or think he does, but I, you know, I don't. They're not a trained professional in that area, so I, I look at this the same way. I just don't don't think it's that relevant. The other thing is, and I'm saying this again not to be repetitive, but I think it's important to hammer it in. There's no such thing as, even on my board, I can't give you, I can give you how I grade the players, but that's relative to how they fit the scheme in which they're asked to play or projected to play. So it doesn't mean that when I say a player is a 6'5 grade, that he's necessarily the right fit for every team in that spot. Again, a if you're a man-blocking team and you've got um, a really good zone-blocking offensive lineman, he may be 6'5", a 6'5 grade, not 6'5 height I'm talking about, but it doesn't mean he's a fit because he's not. But again, the only boards that matter or the boards in your draft room, because you're evaluating for you, how it fits for you and understanding that is crucial. Well, again, putting 32 boards together can be confusing for folks. Um, and again, I've attempted to do some things in the past along those lines and it was confusing, but the point is to understand that there is no one universal draft boards, one draft board. So that's the, probably the biggest problem that creates the criticism by Joe fan and the media, because they don't know as much. So they turn to the PFFs of the world or, you know, whoever is on TV telling you who the best players are again, they're not qualified in evaluating. They're just gathering information and a lot of it's misinformation and three well, this guy is the best corner in the draft. Oh, best corner on my board. Who, who cares about your board? And and for what team are you talking about? Well, I did. Uh, it matters. There's some players that can be great for anyone. Trevor Lawrence can play for anyone. Is he? You know, he would. Trevor Lawrence. For people who don't know, Trevor Lawrence will be the number one player on the Kansas City Chiefs board. They're not going to draft him. Of course, he's going to be long gone. But if the Chiefs were number one. Picking number one. Let's say they had the pick for some reason. They would just they acquired the pick, and it was now it's they got Jacksonville's pick through a, a move. A couple of off season. they wouldn't take Trevor Lawrence. They trade the pick, <clears throat> but the point is, is they'll still have the player graded where they are. There's are certain players that even if they don't fit for you, or if it doesn't fit a need, you know, I think most positions just still take the player, the quarterback. You may not take that player if you got a young guy and he's locked up on a contract, but you might take him and trade him. You might trade the pick. You you got to maximize that value. Panay Sewell can play left tackle. He can play right tackle. He can help any team. Most players in the draft, though, are not going to be great. A guy that's maybe 10th on one team's board may be 45th on another team's board. Because what they're looking for in terms of critical factors at that position for one team is going to be different than another. I don't think people understand that enough. And that's where people get a, a, of a disjointed view of whether somebody had a good draft or not, or they reached or this or that. When I put up the draft board, I purposely do it so that you can see where the grades are. People don't pay enough attention to the grades. They see how they're ranked or stacked. How they're ranked or stacked is not what's important. It's how they're graded. So if we've got a one seven zero grade and three six nine grades and fifteen six five grades, well, what does that tell you? There's a drop off from seven zero to six nine. There's a little drop off from six nine to six five, not big because that's the same grade plateau six nine to six five. But you got fifteen guys with six five grades. Okay, so player um, five and player 20 are the same grade. uh, Who's to say taking the guy that's 20th? It's the same grade. You can take any one of those guys because you've graded them correctly if you've done it, and now you can say which one's the biggest need of these guys that we've got a grade six, five. Which one's the better fit for us? There's a whole bunch of answers that are going to be different across teams' draft boards because of that, because they've graded them correctly. Now, if you start saying, boy, we really need an answer at this, let's move this guy's grade up. All of a sudden, you take a guy with a 6'4 grade, and you put him into the 6'5 because you feel, well, we need to take him. That's where I said before. You end up taking guys with second-round value, late-second-round value, third round value and putting them in the first round because of need, then you water down your team even more. So, um, I think those are really, really important to understand. Um, setting up your draft boards, always say, set it up correctly. And it's like putting together a game plan. You don't need to worry on draft day because all the answers are there. It's an open book test. You react to what's happening. You might maneuver up. You might maneuver down. But if you've done your work correctly, draft day is easy. The people that bleep up a draft are the people that don't Set the draft board up correctly. Tony asks, is there a deadline? Teams have to pick up the fifth year option or give long-term contracts thinking of Mayfield jump? No. Um, well, there's a deadline. Um, you, you got to make that decision before the new league year in the fifth year, which you normally do is you have to pick up that option. So it's after it's after that season, you've got to pick it. The exact day is really before the start of the league year. So the deadline into picking it up, uh, before the start, but you can rework a deal and do a deal, uh, before that. So let's say you've got a guy that's two years into a deal. You feel you got something special. You can rip it up and do a new deal. Um, as soon as you can. Um, so I want to move a little bit as you're going to get the draft information over at Landry football, want to get into, Uh, Again, any questions on vertical boards and horizontal boards. um, There are other factors, too, when putting grades on um, special teams value. Uh, We put a medical grade on them. So if you got guys, let's say, let's take that example. You've got 15 guys with six, five grades. Let's say you've got separators. You've got um, guys' ability to learn. You've got medical issues. You've got a number of issues that will maybe be tiebreakers um, that will, all right, look, these guys are all good, but this guy is should be stacked a little bit higher based upon these criteria. This is why, again, leaving nothing to chance, I always took the worksheets out, literally put the grades together and say, these are the most important positions, a most important criteria at this position. This is the grade they got. This is separating. And then you've got to look at again the overall things in terms of, you know, players' character, players' work ethics, players' football intelligence, um, players' medical history. All those things really, really important. Um, but don't make the player a higher grade because, you know, for example, running backs are considered well, they're devalued because they're more plentiful and it's a more emphasis in the passing game and, and you have less backs on the field. And so it's a supply and demand factor. Don't make the running back. Don't lower his grade because he plays running back. Grade him correctly. And if you choose to say, you know what? I will take a player at the same grade plateau at another position. So you got multiple guys at six five. You've got um, let's say you got two receivers, you've got one running back, you've got two, three linebackers. Well, the receivers, the quarterbacks, the pass rushers, the offensive tackles, probably gonna have greater value if they're in that same grade plateau. Because they're graded the same. You can go in a number of different directions. I'm gonna go where there's less depth, where I can find that guy, typical guy later, or Um, you know, it's a bigger need factor for us. I can do that. That's why people said need our best player. It is grading properly. If you grade correctly, that's answered for you. You don't go a different grade level and take a lesser player, but a player's in the same grade plateau. You then have the freedom to take anybody in that grade plateau that you want for whatever reason you want, need other categories. You should have them stacked again, based upon what's the most important factor for Belichick. Intelligence was a lot more important than say others. Not that it wasn't important for everybody, but it was a bigger factor for Belichick. Obviously medical is a factor, but what's your medical grade versus another team's doctors. They see them differently. Um, character, some people, you know, are more concerned about certain things of a player's character than others. All those things have to be factored in. So very, very important to look at. I want to address a couple of other things today on today's show. Um, Cause I was asked a couple of questions that came in uh, on email <clears throat> and um, appreciate uh, Tony and Aaron, Kev sending your questions on the thread. If you've got any more, send them over. But um, there was a, a situation was asked to me from an LSU fan about Ed Orgeron, who came out this week and said that he made mistakes on hiring coaches. And he said he hired in the last years, not this this previous offseason, but previous last years, that he hired guys that he didn't even interview on his coaching staff. And I was asked, you know, how common is that? And what do you think of that? Well, that should never happen, of course. And I think there are bigger issues here. While that was true, because I know that he did not meet with, um, you know, I think that... Um, if you look at Bo Pelini, if you look at Scott Linehan, he didn't meet with him. It should never happen. I think, though, people have quote-unquote credited Ed for being honest. And, and I do think it kind of shows a frailty and a lack of disorganization, a lack of leadership in not interviewing. But make no mistake, he's also trying to distance himself from last season. He's without saying it, he's basically leading to the point of, um, yeah, I had those problems. And here's why I wasn't as involved as I should. Meaning if I would have done this or that, it wouldn't have happened. That's the inflammation. Well, he wasn't really that involved in hiring Joe Brady either. He's the head coach and he's responsible for it. And he didn't meet with him but he didn't sit there and do the X's and old girl work. Steve Insmeyer recommended they hire him after Steve was the one that met with him. And Steve said, you got to meet with this guy. We need to hire him. He could be a real help to us. Um, it wasn't, wasn't like a, Ed Orgeron were on fine. So I think Ed's trying to, to distance him, his, himself, from the failure of coaching hires and, and trying to, um, you didn't hear him say that after they won the national title, when reality, it was kind of similar. Nothing's really changed. Um, he basically didn't have a, a tie to Matt Canada. Ed has not done a very good job of assessing and evaluating coaches. So he relies on other people. So basically, he just said that, well, Pete Carroll said, and Dennis Erickson said, basically he's blaming them without blaming him. Oh, no, it's my fault. The buck stops here. But he's saying, yeah, if I had done it, I had done this, you know, I it, I could have caught that. Well, no, you probably couldn't have. It's why you don't do it because that's not a strength of yours. And it's a problem. And it's, uh, it is one of the key areas of being successful as a head coach that I don't think people focus enough on is your ability to evaluate and the hire coaches on your staff. If you don't do that, well, it is every bit as important as evaluating and recruiting. And so look, he, it, it's, um, Ed had an awful off season after the national championship. I think he got a little bit full of himself. I think he got involved in the celebrity part of it. It was some, had some effect on his personal life. Uh, It had effect on the program. Uh, Scott Woodard, the athletic director said, uh, made a comment publicly, which I was surprised he made this publicly. I was aware of what he said behind the scenes. He said that Ed uh, needs at that time, Ed needs to learn how to stay out of politics And I I think it was, you know, being involved and you can't be involved in the appearance of having a relationship with a politician, because if that politician happens, you can embrace and vote for who you want. But if you start endorsing a certain candidate and that happens to be in direct opposition to what your players, 85 percent of them might think you are in. That becomes personal, as we saw in the last election over the last year and still now to this day. Uh, I don't care who you vote for or what you think. You start getting into that, you're going to have real hard feelings. And when you're trying to run a team, it's a family. And you may have views and you may have discussions, but if you start supporting and using your power to perceive support, it becomes a backlash. That happens. So he handled that. And he, um, look, elite coaches can coach the coaches. Elite coaches know how to evaluate coaches, they know how to develop the coaches. That's not Ed. Ed is so dependent, uh, he lives and dies with his assistant coaches. You know, Nick Saban has a problem with, you know, one of his assistants on the defensive side a few years ago. He can he can adjust the play calling. He can take over some of it himself. He can get other guys ready to go. Boom. You got a different guy calling plays. Not many people know about it, and it's seamless. They still compete at a high level. At LSU, Matt Canada, disaster hiring. Bo Pelini, disaster hiring. Scott Linehan, disaster hiring. You got Joe Brady, superb hire the wave the up and down the the seesaw the roller coaster whatever analogy you want to use is so affected so that's the that's going to be the problem as i have said all along and i've explained to those of you that follow ed and follow lsu is that that's going to be it it's going to be up and down it's 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 a hit or miss with him. Um, Ed's a salesman, he's a talker, he's a recruiter, but he's really good at, at the sales part of it. But but he tries to to, to kind of cozy up to the success and distance himself from the failures. So um, look he didn't he hasn't in the past, in my dealings with him, he hasn't been really good at doing his homework on on certain things. Now the thing where he's different than dealing with with Les Miles is Les Miles was stubborn and lazy. Ed is, um, more impressionable. He tends to listen to whoever he talks to last. So he's the opposite of Les, and that Les didn't listen to anybody, and Ed just listens to too many people. And so the people that told him to hire. Bopolini were really inside the building that had some background administratively with Bopolini the last time Bopolini was at LSU. And then when he had the endorsement from Pete Carroll, that was good enough for him. Well, nothing wrong with Bopolini as a coach fundamentally, but you've got to get to know the person. And Bopolini is. Not going to have any respect. If you don't sit there as a head coach and interview the assistant, you think that assistant's going to have any respect for you? It's really not. Bo Pelini, Matt Canada all came in with the idea that they're not concerned about what Ed, Ed Orgeron thinks. They know that Ed doesn't know what's going on on the defense, he doesn't know what's going on on the offense. Ed's made some comments recently that, well, I let some things go. And I, you know. No, 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 no. That's on you. You own that failure. Just like, you know, you may not have had a lot to do with the success in the championship year, you're the head coach and you put it in place. You have to own the failure. You can't sit there and say, "Well, I, if I would have done, if I would have stepped in and made this change to the game plan and been different." No. Cuz you're not qualified for that. That's not your strength. So, if you're going to put that much faith And there are other CEO coaches that do it. Dabo Sweeney's done it. Others have done it very well. Jimmy Johnson was that way. Great. If you're going to do that, you have to be really thorough with evaluating and vetting your assistants, and you have to lay down the, you know, sometimes you got a really good coach. He may be a great coach, but if he's got a personality that's not going to work with you. Matt candidate Bo Pelini. I said this a year ago. Bo Pelini and Ed Orgeron is a disaster. Not because Bo Pelini has not had success as a coach. He has. Not that Ed's not had some success as a coach. But you put that together, it's all in water. It doesn't mix. And I know both of them, and I knew they were heading down a path. It's like two people that may have instant attraction, but you know the marriage is not going to work. It's the same damn thing that I said about Matt Canada. I saw it like a damn train wreck. Coming a mile away. I saw it like a head on collision and just pisses me off because you, you, you know, it, you try to flag people down, you try to want, and then you see it and it, and in a damn thing you knew about it. And it's, it's frustrating because it hurts a lot of people, but it's a big part of what, is important in being a head coach. So yeah, that is an embarrassing situation for Ed that in his effort to try to, I think, shirk the blame or distance him success, uh, distance himself from the failure. What it's done is expose his lack of leadership, his lack of organization. Uh, Kev Kilargo says, Chris in your scouting season strategy report on the website it says Mike Petten's firing made the Pack instantly better the Chiefs firing of Bob Sutton after the AFC Championship game you said it was misguided these two firings can't be compared these two firings can't be compared in our totally different circumstances um I thought Bob Sutton's firing was misguided um and quite frankly that's from the outside looking in. I thought it was. I think that there are two things that that I missed, mainly the one of Steve Spagnuolo, who had really good success with the Giants and with the Chiefs, fit really well with what Andy wanted to do. I was concerned, and I think fundamentally, I think Bob Sutton is a better football coach, but Steve Spagnuolo actually fit what Andy wanted to do. Um, I think Mike Patton is an outstanding coach, but what they were trying to do didn't mesh overall. And this is again, a part of a great question and it kind of goes to what I'm saying. I'm going to give my opinion based upon a guy's a football coach in the fit from the outside and from what I know on the inside, but I don't know everything. I can't be simultaneously in 32 NFL organizations all the time and, you know, 75, 100 college programs. So it's a great point and a fair point of they're different. You only know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. Yes, I do know more than most because not because I'm smarter, but because I'm involved in it, but I don't know everything. I may know, it's kind of like knowing someone, you're a family member, uh, a, a very close personal friend. You know them very well. You know the wife very well, but you're not living in that house. And so you don't know what you don't know. You know what you know, but you don't know what you don't know. Um, wondering your evaluation of Vinny Testiverti coming out of Miami. I wasn't as high on Vinny. I thought Vinny was physically tough. I thought he had limitations in terms of decision making. Vinny had a great career. Long time. Uh, obviously, he got better as time went along and he understood the game better, but decision maker, decision making was always something that I thought was a uh, an issue with him. Rich Coach. Hey, Rich. How are you? What was your scouting evaluation? Neil Smith coming out of Nebraska and Keith Jackson out of Oklahoma. Well, Neil As a New Orleans kid, he was a long-levered, strong power rusher that was really good against the run, was an absolute dominant player. Um, Keith Jackson came out of Arkansas, went to Oklahoma, was a big boy. I mean, a big, big tight end, but he could move. Not move like the tight ends of today, but this guy was carrying a whole lot of weight, and he ran with a lot of power. He was like a running fullback in the open field once he got the ball, but he had an ability to catch um, the ability to work on the line of scrimmage where most of the tight end works were done. Think of tight ends. You think of just that in tight, it plays tight, thus tight ends. So many tight ends today play in different formations, which is why you have to look at the position differently. And even on your board, a little different. I keep it simple for the fans because, you know, tight ends, I put the, the H's, the, the detach wise, uh, but uh, Keith Jackson was an outstanding, outstanding tight end out of, uh, of, of Arkansas. Hey, uh, we're going to get into more draft stuff next week. And the preceding weeks, uh, the recurring weeks leading up to the draft, we've got some special things that we're going to be doing, not only in this podcast, but across the landryfootball.com network of shows that we're going to be covering a lot of draft, a lot of different areas, addressed a lot of things pertaining to the draft board that we have pertaining to things related to your team. So uh, make sure that you check all of that out at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the scouting season discount today. We appreciate you joining us. Send us your comments, send us your questions. See you over at LandryFootball.com. Check for all the latest there. Have a great one.